sure that not every single meeting on your calendar is completely soul-sucking and draining um, to try to pepper in some fun stuff, whatever that means to you. I think I will start scheduling at least one meeting a week called the non-soul-sucking, draining meeting. (laughs) Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast. I'm Kim Skorupski, and as you know, we are now in H3, the Triple H, Habits and Hacks from Hopkins. And on today's episode, we have Dr. Lauren Beneshek. Hi, Lauren. How are you? Hi, Kim. I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I just remember your smiling face uh, from the leadership programs, and I always loved having you in the course because you had so much to contribute. You were so helpful. I think it was a lot of your background in IO psychology and teams. And so when you said I'd love to do uh, some productivity tips on this episode, I was just so thrilled. So why don't you just back up a second and tell everybody who you are here at Hopkins? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. So my name is Dr. Lauren Beneshek, and I am an organizational psychologist, which is essentially, for those of you who may not know, we take psychological theory and put it in the workplace. So my role as an IO psychologist is ultimately to make workplaces better environments for the folks who have to operate within them. And I have a background, as you said, in teams, as well as training development and evaluation. And more recently, I focused a lot on workplace well-being. So I work as an assistant professor in the Armstrong Institute for Patient Safety and Quality, and I get to use my toolbox to try to improve patient safety here at Hopkins and hopefully a little bit more broadly around the world. That is just fantastic. I feel your energy. I always love talking with you. We had such a good time pre-recording, so I'm going to let you take it away. Share your tips, please. Sure, absolutely. So, Kim, you might remember from from the the leadership program that I am someone who is not quite as regimented in their schedule as I know you happen to be. I always have the highest hopes and put things on my schedule, you know, writing time and that sort of thing. But I am very much the kind of person who will change things up at the last minute and decide to do something different that I had planned. And that's just, that's just how I roll. And I've kind of fought that. I've also learned to embrace this philosophy of what a mentor from mine in grad school calls productive procrastination. So sometimes I'll sit down and have this idea that, oh, I'm going to work on XYZ paper or XYZ project. And I sit down and after maybe five minutes or so, because Related to this, I also try to give myself five minutes of working on something. And if it's really not clicking for me after about five minutes, I give myself the go ahead to change track. And so that'll sometimes involve instead of working on the the paper that I initially decided to work on, it might be reading an article uh, for a scoping review that I'm working on instead. So that's where I embrace this idea of productive procrastination, which is my first tip for you all today. That is interesting. I've never heard that. And it kind of makes me nervous because you're so right, Lauren. I'm a high J in the Myers-Briggs. I love my schedule, my agenda. I'm the annoying person on vacation who schedules free time. 
and then gets mad when we're, we're not on time for free time or people don't do what I think they should be doing during their free time. So the word procrastination just kind of like makes me go, what? As soon as you said that, you know, I got all crunchy in my face. But then the then as you described it, it made a little bit of sense. It's not as if you're putting it off and not doing anything. You're just giving yourself a wider latitude to do something, just not that thing. Absolutely. And at least for me and those, you know, maybe folks like me who are a little bit more, I don't want to say free spirited, that's not really the right word, but less structured in their yes. approach to work at times. It, it's just been a little bit, I won't quite go so far as to call it a game changer, but it's definitely been very helpful in allowing myself to give myself grace and really work within my own strengths and work around my, I guess, weaknesses. I suppose you could call it a weakness. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I, I, th- I think it's not a weakness. I, I like how you said strengths, that recognizing that uh, you don't have to be so compulsive or anal retentive as we, we Jays, you get things done just in a different way and, and appreciating and acknowledging, don't keep trying to force ourselves into a box that's just not going to fit us. Absolutely. And that kind of brings me to my next tip, which I don't let email rule my life either. I know some folks do. I've actually had multiple conversations with a colleague of mine who basically as soon as an email arrives in her inbox, she has to read it, file it away, or at least put it on her to-do list to deal with later. If she's not on top of her email, she feels absolutely like her entire work life is out of control. And I kind of take this opposite view. And this is another place where I've had to kind of learn to give myself a bit of grace because over time I become more and more uh, resistant to checking my email. So I try to find a nice balance where I definitely check email at least once, if not twice a day, but I try very hard not to be sitting there reading every email as it comes in. I try to be prompt and responsive, but I am definitely one of those who is still, I have to admit, I'm still kind of of testing the waters of the balancing act of learning when to take the time to really digest my email versus becoming a slave to it. So that being said, though, it does work for me to have bulk times where I look at email instead of having it open and, you know, responding consistently throughout the day. I find that when emails come in and if I'm trying to stay on top of them as they come in, it's just too distracting for me personally. Maybe again, it's my tendency towards unstructured work that if I'm checking emails, it totally drives my attention away from whatever I actually finally have been <laughs> to work on today. That, so. That's another great tip. And again, number you're so for me, I'm over too, because I'm more like your best friend who is exactly would be horrified if I saw, <laughs> saw emails coming in and I'm like, well, I check and respond to emails, you know, at six o'clock at night and six in the morning. I would be a, a total emotional wreck all day long. And I remember one of the a faculty member in one of the WAGs I'd started, the writing accountability groups, he had the same perspective that you did. He's like, yeah, you know, 
the same thing when I'm writing and somebody knocks on my door, you know, you don't, you don't have to answer the door. And I, and I looked at oh, I would find that really kind of like turned upside down. I said, what do you mean you don't have to answer the door when someone knocks on the door? Of course, one has to answer the door when someone knocks on it. That's just polite. He said, no, oh, no, I don't. I don't have to. And he said, it's the same thing. When someone knocks on your email door, you don't have to answer it right away. And it really was a I'll use your words, a game changer for a lot of people in the room were like, oh, you're right. And to me, it was just, again, horrifying. But it, I can totally see how, yeah, there's no there's no rule that you have to do these things. But we get in these rhythms of what we think is right. And it could be, you know, it could really be hurting us without us realizing it, that constant barrage and that the tension around checking email. So I love that strategy. If that works for you, again, understanding your own strengths and how you work best, that kind of is at the core of the accountability and writing accountability groups, just being honest with what works for you or doesn't work for you. Love it. Absolutely. And I definitely use our writing accountability groups. I've actually been involved in one that maybe doesn't, we actually follow loosely the structure that you have trained us in, not loosely, pretty closely, but we are as a group of maybe a little bit more loosely flexible with our expectations of each other because we see the WAG as an opportunity to really explore these things that are working for us. So oftentimes, I know it's not maybe in the true spirit of of the initial WAG, but, you know, folks do kind of, uh, we have our group in our WAG and, and some folks don't show up every single week and they come when they can. And we invite them with open arms and we're all very honest and frank about what's been working and what hasn't and where we failed in the past week and what we've, you know, succeeded in. And, some things that work for me one week that really truly just don't work next week for whatever reason. Yeah. And so I think my productivity tip there is really just learning to truly give myself grace and accept that there are going to be periods of time, either long or short, where I'm super productive, but that's not always sustainable. And there are going to be weeks and maybe even months where things just aren't clicking quite the same way. And while that can be really frustrating, those are the times when it's really important for me to kind of take a breather, remember that this is just one period in time, and it does not dictate the rest of my life. And I think that's been a really important thing for at least me to remember during this year of 2020, which has just been absolutely off the rails, I think, for so many of us. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, I do in that spirit, have another, you know, it, to take downtime when I really find I need it. I know that this is probably a tip that a lot of people might roll their eyes at or go, yeah, right. Who has time for downtime? But for me, that doesn't necessarily mean just not working. It might mean Depending, and I know again, this might be a tip that depending on the flexibility of the schedule that you have may be less or more enforceable for you personally. But I am very grateful for the opportunity to kind of set my own schedule in a number of ways. And, and there are times that I have found the hours that are working for me are most productive for me tend to be more in the afternoons and early evenings where mornings can sometimes be a struggle for me personally. So I try to give myself a little bit more opportunity to work on things for myself during those quote unquote off hours that might be doing my workout or going on a walk with my dog or reading something that might be relevant, but is just more tangential and fun. And for me, and just 
in learning to kind of, you know, adopt that mindset. And I think it kind of goes a little bit back towards that philosophy of productive procrastination that I started with, you know, just learning to figure out what is working for you any particular time. And for me at certain times of day, if I've been working for, you know, two hours without really stopping, I, I need a break. (laughs) And so I've just had to learn that even sometimes if my calendar says, oh, you're supposed to be doing this at this time, but my body is saying, you really need to get up and like, take a few breaths and go for a short walk around the block. For me personally, I will take that short walk around the block and then come back to work a little bit more prepared to to refocus once I've taken care of my physiological needs. Well, that that is so valuable, especially, you know, you're talking about this pandemic, that one of the silver linings, I totally agree with you, is the recognition that we have all learned how to work from home working remotely, and then appreciating the fact that the work's going to get done and maybe not on the traditional calendar or clock like we used to, that the office opens up at oh dark 30 and people are grinding it out all day. And if you're not there, you're not working. And so now recognizing that just what you said, again, another area where we're completely the opposite, that I'm a total morning person and I start <laughs> punking out midday and that's what I want to get out and run around and, and go to the gym and, and move my body. But th- that recognition of saying, you know what? Yeah. Um, person A likes the mornings. Person B likes the afternoons. Person C will check emails all day. Person D is going to check them twice a day, but the work will get done in accordance with everyone's strengths, their circadian rhythms, the week at the, the moment, what's happening in person and people's lives. As long as we agree that we're all on mission, we're all on point and giving each other. And I love how you keep saying, you know, grace, grace, grace. That's so important. Showing grace and mercy, not only to others, but to ourselves really kind of allows us to exhale and have faith that I'm going to get through this. We're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. We're all doing it in our own way. And yet we're all in this together. Absolutely. And I mean, that really is, I think, the spirit that has, at least for me, gotten me through this pandemic is this idea. I'm, I'm so blessed to work with, you know, folks who are understanding of this philosophy too, that I, that I have, whether, they work exactly the same way that I do or not, it doesn't really matter because the attitudes that we've adopted with each other is very much, we're all doing the best that we can. And we're all doing the best that we can at the times that work best for us. And as you said, as long as the work is getting done and things are moving forward, we, I'm, I'm so lucky to work with, you know, colleagues and collaborators who are, willing to be flexible and are very empathetic and understanding towards, you know, we all do things maybe slightly differently. But again, as long as we're all on mission, it doesn't really matter. And I think for 2020, being such a chaotic year as it has been, I think that is, at least for me and my perspective and what I've been seeing uh, with my cohorts, it's that's one of the nice things to come out of 2020 is at least from my perspective, people have been a little bit more willing to shake things up, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. And I think that that that's really beneficial for, for everybody because we all, we all just have different preferences and, and strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and it, and, and it, that brings me to my, one of my final points. I think I have one more after this. 
is having life-giving meetings. So this is, I'm a little bit biased here in that with my occupational well-being work, one of the things that I'm currently working on is this idea of the power of social connections and what a high quality connection is. And please don't ask me to define that yet because I'm still trying to quite figure out what that looks like um, in practice. But it's this idea of behind it is the spirit of enjoying the company and the conversation. And so I make a point to have at least one fun meeting on my calendar at least once a week. And these are oftentimes still very much collaborative and work-based meetings, but I'm making sure that they're with people that we can be authentic and get off topic at times and just really enjoy the conversation, enjoy the process of the research that we're doing, you know, and, and, and the projects that we're working on. And so it might be like this week, it might be this conversation with you, which was really inspiring me to think about like, what are sort of the things that I do and what tips might I give somebody else? But it, the point here is to Make sure that not every single meeting on your calendar is completely soul-sucking and draining um, to try to pepper in some fun stuff, um, whatever that means to you uh, on occasion. I think I will start scheduling at least one meeting a week called the non-soul-sucking draining meeting. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, absolutely. I know colleagues who um, prior to the pandemic used to have a standing meeting that they called the most important meeting of the week. And it was like a Thursday happy hour at five o'clock or something like that. And I'm not... And I'm not saying your fun meetings have to be happy hours or, or Zoom happy hours or whatever, to, you know, but the point is to be able to connect with, with, with a colleague that you really just enjoy connecting with. It, you know, that, that's been huge for me, especially in this socially distanced era. Oh, I, and, and, you know, you're making me think I was on a call this morning with George um, Eberly, who does resilience and stress and he was talking about, you know, preparing for the, you know, dark periods ahead and then, you know, anything that's good. There will always have awful, horrible things and events that happen in, in, in life, but being prepared and having a plan, if this, then that. So what I like about your, this tip here is that knowing that, okay, I don't, I can't control everything necessarily, but what I can control is my interactions and to some degree, the people with whom I interact and how we do that. So proactively putting in your calendar or knowing that you have a tribe or a group of people or a particular group of collaborators who are, as you say, fun, and you can be yourself and you can just riff and brainstorm and say kooky, crazy things, and they're not going to judge you and just kind of really um, who get you. That's just so important. And that's like a, a nice life preserver to know that you we need these little infusions of uh, like an inoculations of of joy, and that just every time I love, I'm sitting here looking at your face, not literally, but on, online, and you are a <laughs> joyful person, and it, and it comes across, you know, on this call, and that to me is those of us who live alone and who are extroverted, we you know we miss that kind of human connection, and so I think it's even more important that we have these joyful opportunities rather than, as you're saying, feeling like we have to be uber productive and work, 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 
that's just, it's so vital. And I think as we prepare for the future, I'm going to try even harder to make sure I schedule time with other people that's, that's fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, to me, that's what's been life sustaining. I think over the course of all of this is, uh, you know, I, I have various meetings that I would qualify as fun. And I, I, I mean, in all honesty, I'm not just stroking your ego here. One of my WAG meetings is that way. Um, because again, it, it's a space where we can sort of decompress while then also moving into um, productivity. And so it hits both of those buttons, you know, and, and, and the folks that I wag with, you know, we are just very, they're just wonderful people. And so I enjoy catching up with them at yeah. least once a week. Um, I have a, another colleague that I work with at the Armstrong Institute, who's also an assistant professor, and she and I try to have semi-monthly Zoom meetings or that we call our coffee hours so that we can you know, talk about whatever is on our minds. That might be our work-life balance. That might be, she has children. So it might be, you know, her children or the state of our relationships. It might be the struggles of being an assistant professor in these uncertain times and having to go after grants while also writing papers and staying on top of all of these work assignments. And perhaps that all sounds like that meeting wouldn't be remotely fun, but it's, again, something that I look forward to in order to connect with somebody on a personal level, but also as a way to sort of forward my own career in the sense of those are opportunities where I can say like, Hey, I'm really stuck on this thing. And I don't, maybe I don't want to admit that to my mentor per se, because I'm embarrassed or whatever, but here's a colleague that I, that I can maybe work it out with a little bit, or I can get maybe initial feedback on a presentation that I'm putting together without fear of criticism or judgment. So to me, it's those sorts of things, those sorts of meetings that uh, happy hour is great. And I think you should also consider doing those as, as much as we can with, with our friends and family, but also having these productive, but fun, the uh, fun meetings or interactions, I think are super critical, at least for me. And I'm not an overly extroverted person, but yeah, they're, they're still really important. I think this has been a wonderful list. I love, again, emphasize the grace and mercy, the productive procrastination. I have learned a lot from you. I know everybody else out there listening. I'm sure you have appreciated Lauren Beneshek, Dr. Beneshek's tips. Uh, she is wonderful. I just think she's great. Her joy is just contagious. And I hope you join us next time and spread the word about the Triple H Habits and Hacks from Hopkins. Dr. Benishek, thank you so much for this time together. You are wonderful. Oh, thank you. That's the biggest compliment I think I could have received this week. And I <laughs> appreciate the opportunity to connect with you today. Okay. Next time, everybody. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.